Hey, are you looking to upgrade your key life areas and evolve to a higher level of existence? To practically harness personal growth and spirituality in a crazy, busy, imperfect world? Then you've come to the right place. My name is Prash and this is Urban Spirituality, the show which uniquely fuses ancient wisdom with contemporary self-growth and spiritual disciplines to deliver value-adding tools, traits, and insights to help you unleash your fullest potential. We always keep it real, featuring authentic, unfiltered dialogue with guests from diverse backgrounds to inspire, entertain, and enlighten all who listen. So get ready for your dose of urban spirituality. Be present and let's dive in. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Urban Spirituality's Walk on the Wise Side show with your host, Prash Prash K. And once again, I'm delighted to bring to you a guest full of powerful wisdom and life skills that is sure to make an impact in your day-to-day living. As you know, with anything, when it comes to wisdom, it's great to have wisdom, but if it can't be applied, if the knowledge can't be applied, it remains static. It's not making the impact that we need in our life. And yet the one thing that this current day and age requires, and I'm sure you'll agree if you're watching this right now, there's one thing that we all suffer with, almost all of us, and that is information overload. So many of us are being bombarded by technology and media from all angles, from social media to the television, to our friends. And it almost feels that the sanctity of our inner environment, the sanctity of our brain is being invaded by media and organizations and individuals just blasting themselves at us. And it's, who do you blame? The thing is, you may not necessarily be able to switch off from the world, but to be able to fine tune what you take in and to filter what you shouldn't take in is an art. It's an art form. And one of the ways I feel that we should be doing it is to look back at the wisdom that our ancients had, because many of us, and I think you'll agree with this. How many of you have seen a movie that's been remade? How many movies have you seen which are remakes of ancient classics, right? You've got all these famous movies that are being remakes of old films. You've got the pop charts. The music charts are filled with songs that are simply just remixes of old stuff. The fact is, and this is my humble opinion, and I'm sure you'd agree though to some degree or other, we all like to look at the old stuff to get something fresh. So why shouldn't it be true with wisdom? Why shouldn't we take wisdom from the ancient classics from those texts that have challenged our existence, those texts that have pondered the problems that all humanity faces. Why can't we lift from that and use something that helps us in our day-to-day lives? God knows if we don't, the press is always ready to bombard us with stuff. So I think it's time to reclaim some of our own wisdom. And therefore, I'm delighted to have a very special guest with us who is the perfect person to give us ancient wisdom And I'm really excited because this special guest of ours is actually coming to the UK in the first week of June to on a speaking tour. She brings her wisdom, her knowledge, and years of experience to the UK starting this week, first week in June for the next two weeks. And you're going to get to hear her hopefully in person. Allow me to say a few words about her as we go into this particular topic on how we can use ancient wisdom 
for modern problems and modern life. Our special guest is J.R. Rao, the founder of the renowned Global Vedanta Vision organization, through which she has dedicated over 30 years to educating international audiences in the science of Vedanta. That's the oldest science of management and personal fulfillment in the world. And it's been empowering people for thousands of years, from ancient ashrams to universities the world over. And nowadays, it's also being employed and adopted in Wall Street and the Houses of Parliament. As an award-winning international speaker, Jaya has shared the stage with the Dalai Lama and spiritual mentors around the world. Jaya Rao addresses and trains elite groups of executives, educators, and influencers in top institutions, globally revolutionizing their thinking and attitude to personal transformation and spiritual growth. Please welcome the director of Vedanta Vision, Srimati Jaya Rao. Thank you. Jayaji, it's a pleasure to have you with us as always. And we're doubly excited because we're going to see you in person speaking in London and in other parts of the country. So we're particularly excited. It's not often that we get somebody, we get plenty of politicians um, occupying our airwaves. We get plenty of people coming and doing this, but to have somebody of your caliber bringing ancient wisdom to our doorstep, literally, I think it's a rare privilege. And I want to take this short little interview here, this little insight to talk about this. Um, and before we do that, give us a little bit about your background. Tell us a little bit about your journey, J.I.G., that's brought you from what was, I think, a corporate life to where you are today. Yes, um, I was introduced to the subject um, when I was very young. And um, it, I applied one or two principles in my life and found that uh, they were very useful, helped change me as a person, change uh, my attitude towards people and the world. And then I realized that people generally look towards spirituality as a, a, a kind of a sop before death rather than a, a formula for life. And so I decided to uh, help spread the word. And that's basically that. And I know you've taken this upon yourself. Uh, to do this full time, but this was not your only role. From what I've learned of you, and I know we've spoken about this, you dedicated many years of your career in the corporate arena. Is that right? Uh, not many years, eight, eight years. Uh, I was in corporate life after my uh, university education. And that's where I applied these principles and found them to be useful. And I think these eight years have um, helped shape the way I present Vedanta because I know what's happening up, out there in the corporate world. I have two questions for you. Firstly, what was the trigger point or the turning point that compelled you to want to leave behind what was, by all accounts, I've, you know, I've had a look, it, it was a very successful career to then embark on this life that you lead now? I don't think there was a single trigger point. It, it's just that um, uh, as you go through your experiences, two things happened. Uh, one was that I found uh, the life that I was leading a little boring and not, not um, I, I wouldn't say exciting, but not fulfilling enough. And uh, I saw this as, a, as an exciting uh, opportunity to uh, to serve, 
to add value to society, which is what I always wanted to do from childhood. So, so it kind of, it's like titration, you know, it just, it builds up and then suddenly there is that um, precipitate. So the thought precipitates in your mind and you take action. Yeah. The thought precipitates and then you take action. I love that. Um, what is Vedanta? Vedanta is nothing but knowledge of yourself. Uh, modern knowledge gives you knowledge of things outside you the objective world but you need knowledge of the subjective world so that you know what makes you tick you know what's happening inside you you know what uh, your aspirations are you know what you want most of us don't even know what we want and so once you know yourself uh, it becomes life becomes much easier some would argue that why do we need Vedanta isn't that just it doesn't psychology hold the answers uh, or are they being naive? Is, is something being missed? Are we missing a trick here, perhaps? There's plenty that we're missing. <laughs> uh, Vedanta uh, has as the ultimate objective the, the concept of perfection in a human being. Wow. And uh, that is something that, to the best of my knowledge, no other science has addressed. And therefore, there are very few people who even understand the difference. Uh, the subtlety with which Vedanta approaches the human mind and the subtlety with which it has analyzed the human mind. And this is years of research done by scores of people on the same subject. It's incomparable with any other um, stream of knowledge that we know. Right. I mean, psychology dates back, you know, it, it has its origins, you know, within the Greek, studies, but the Greeks we know famously studied um, much older texts and uh, scriptures from the Egyptian and the Kemetic right back to the Sanskrit works. And many Egyptian, many uh, Greeks, in fact, were Sanskrit scholars. They went to Taxa, exactly. the university in the world. Are we therefore to understand that Vedanta mm -hmm. is therefore the coined term for the umbrella of knowledge, which dates back to antiquity? and is a complete science almost in itself. Is, is that a fair? Absolutely. Yes. Well put. Okay. So let me, let me paint a scenario. I'm a busy, stressed out city, high, high achiever, city kind of professional. I've got a busy job. I have a demanding career. I have competition. I have stresses due to work. I have perhaps, let's say, a family. Let's say I'm somebody who has children or perhaps wants to have a family and wants to settle down, but I'm a single 30 or 40-something, and I'm grappling with these challenges in my career, then in my personal life, in my romantic relationship, then with my kids, and then there's this thing about finances, and then there's the competition and um, peer pressure to live a certain standard of life. With all these demands going on, not to mention that I may have my personal hobbies or inclinations. How on earth are we meant to structure all those things in such a way, or how can Vedanta shine a spotlight, that ancient knowledge to help us to make sense of that and de-stress our lives? Yes. Uh, see, first of all, let's take a look at misconceptions. Mm. Most people view Vedanta or ancient wisdom sources as merely repetition of mantras, maybe performance of certain rituals or visiting a temple or a place of pilgrimage. Right. 
and all this is disconnected from modern life so people don't give it much importance this second misconception that people have is oh it's about the himalayas you have to leave everything right. go to the himalayas and seek perfection no firstly vedanta addresses us as we are where we are we don't need to change anything about us you don't need to change your lifestyle you don't need to change your partner you don't need to change anything around you you only need to look at things differently so you need to change thinking and change of thought is the last thing that we are looking at and therefore there's no change that happens you know interesting uh, the the law is in vedanta as you think so you become not as you do you can do what you like you can wear what you like you can eat what you like it's how you think that matters and so vedanta addresses thought secondly every aspect of life is is looked at by vedanta for instance you want to be successful you want to earn more money vedanta helps you you want to enjoy life better vedanta helps you you want to have a have better relationships vedanta reaches out to you there uh you want to become more brilliant more uh, clearer in your thinking uh, vedanta reaches out there and those few rare people who want spiritual evolution vedanta more than fulfills their aspiration it takes you all the way that's true so it's almost so once like- you understand this then you you realize that you don't need any other knowledge so this is imperative once you gain this everything else falls in place it it's interesting that you say this i'll t- um and i and i find your description fascinating it reminds me of the analogy of of um it reminds me of two things actually it reminds me firstly of the analogy of of an escalator or an elevator for those of you who are watching this from america if you're on the ground floor of an office and you want to get to the top floor there is more than one way to get there you can take the stairs and there may be a fire exit so you can go up the firecase stairs or you can go through the main stairs or the central stairs or you can take an elevator and i suppose hearing you speak this way it's almost that i see vedanta as the elevator it's the lift you can take the long way around and go up the stairs or you can take the lift and you can go straight to the top and if you're not ready to go straight to the top and look for human perfection through spiritual realization of our absolute essential spiritual pure divine nature and if that's too big a goal if it's too much for us then the beauty of the elevator is you can just get off it and you can take it to any level that you want you can take it to exactly you can take it to exactly level. and so would it be fair to say that vedanta is that elevator it's taking us up it's elevating our thinking the way we approach things in a way that allows us to make advancement to the degree that we're capable or inclined yes absolutely and that's a the beautiful analogy because you can get off on any floor so Wonderful. you want only success you can go there you want the highest you can go right up to the top wonderful <laughs> so so let us dive in a little bit are there in this short interview could you give us a little perhaps shine some light on a couple of gems on a couple of aspects of wisdom that could perhaps help alleviate some of the challenges we face from the ancient wisdom here um yes. what sort of ancient wisdom comes to mind see firstly uh we're all looking for enjoyment 
we want to enjoy more of the world and so we believe that the more we have or the more we uh, engage with the more we enjoy but the fact is the opposite the more you indulge the less you enjoy so every successive enjoyment reduce uh, every successive contact sorry uh, reduces the enjoyment till you reach a stage where you've got everything but your enjoyment is zero and that's where uh, the affluent people are experiencing depression because they've got everything and yet their enjoyment is not very much so vedanta addresses this and says that you what you need to do is just regulate your contact with the world it doesn't say you must deny yourself it simply says regulate don't have it just because you can afford it have it because your intellect has decided that yes i can go ahead and enjoy this particular thing then you enjoy it to the fullest 100% and yet you don't uh, end up diminishing your enjoyment so the key word here is more is not more more is actually less ah, profound and i can kind of see that i i i get the example um it's i guess and i say it this way um uh in some of the seminars that um we're giving um we often refer to it this way we say that you can own things but don't let the things own you yes so the second thing is action most of us work and when you ask someone what are you working for they say i'm working for a living i'm working for the paycheck uh so we have an attitude of profiteering when we go out into the world Vedanta says change that attitude to one of offering and when you develop this attitude of offering or giving you actually receive more than you ever imagined so success comes from the attitude of giving this is something that we don't know and so we go out trying to take grab profit right we think that we're going to work to take right i mean we we many of us are naturally inclined to believe that we're working in order to obtain an income to obtain a salary therefore it's taking but you're talking about something different you're talking about this an attitude change from a taking to to a giving do you mean to equate work with service yes you don't need to change your job you don't need to change the the thing that you're doing you you only need to instill or um, integrate an attitude of giving in your existing work and then you find that your returns are actually much more than they were when you had the attitude of taking wonderful that's absolutely wonderful so jayaji you've given us two principles can you share another principle yes sure relationships okay um, relationships approach people see our relationships are based on conditions we have expectations we make demands on our loved ones and when these demands and expectations are not met with there's frustration bitterness and break up of relations so what vedanta says is um have unconditional love love people for what they are not for what you expect them to be because it, it cannot be a coconut seed can only become a coconut tree 
it cannot become a mango tree just because we want it to. Right. Similarly, a spouse can only be what he or she is. She cannot change because you want her to change. So this is the oh. fundamental thing that comes in the way of relationships. Expectations, demands, and when these are thwarted, there's bitterness. But wait a minute, let me play devil's advocate. Are you saying that we shouldn't have any expectations or demands? Because there are some natural expectations. A wife looks to her husband for certain security. Perhaps a husband may look to a wife for certain other needs. And in this way, isn't there a natural degree of expectation between two people, whether it's in a romantic relationship or any other sort of relationship? Are we saying it's wrong or are we saying that needs to be some sort of transmutation of that expectation? Yeah, see... All that Vedanta says is you must make an assessment of the person. The reality, the reality uh -huh. is that this is the nature of the person. Uh -huh. And then you have a choice to accept it and continue with the relationship or say, I cannot live with it. And right from the word go, walk away. But you right. can't enter a relationship and with then the expectation that he or she is going to change. Why is because why? the fact is nobody changes. Unless they change of their own accord, of course. Exactly. So just as animal lovers love animals, they assess animals, they, they uh, accept animals as they are. So you accept a pup for what a pup is. You accept a tiger for what a tiger is. You don't get into a relationship with a tiger expecting the tiger to be like a pup. I love that. That's this such... is what we're doing. Really, really clear way to explain it. Really, really, really good. Um, for some of us listening, disappointment, whether that be in our professional career uh, or let's say in a business, you know, where self, you know, somebody's self-employed, they're an entrepreneur, they're trying to generate business and they're disappointed because things aren't working out despite all the efforts they're putting in. We hear a lot about disappointments between family members where somebody feels hurt that they're giving so much to their family, to their children, to their parents, and then they're not getting reciprocated um, or things aren't going the way they want. What can the ancient wisdom of Vedanta teach us about disappointment? Yeah. Uh, see, disappointment comes when you have expectations. So I would revisit the expectation and find out, first of all, whether it is a reasonable expectation. And most of our expectations are not reasonable. In other words, you expect a person, an ill-tempered person not to get angry. That's not possible. Uh, you mm -hmm. expect a person who's uh, not capable of earning a lot of money to become a millionaire. That's not possible. So once you have these expectations uh, in place and you have a more realistic view of what can be forthcoming from a particular relationship, you are less troubled. The second thing is, uh, in any action or any interaction with the world, when you learn to find fulfillment in the action itself, then you have already got your return. So there's no other return that others can give you. That's what a beautiful reframe. I mean, I don't think people, I mean, that was so profound. People might have missed it. Just, just give us that one more time. I thought that was really good. I think if you're listening to this, folks, that was golden. Jayaji, would you honor us and just say that again about the expectation change into the transaction? Yes. 
uh, when you learn it, to find fulfillment in the fact that you have done something for someone else, that is 100% fulfilling. <laughs> then nobody else can add to that. And no one else can take away from it. Wonderful. I mean, that's amazing. I, 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 it reminds me of a saying I, I heard a few years ago. Interestingly, on, 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 on um, a big Hollywood movie, Superman, um, and uh, one of the um, protagonists was saying, a good death is a reward in itself. Yes, absolutely. And, 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 and it's, it's analogous to what we're saying. It, 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 it applies to this scenario that the act of having served is a reward in itself. The act of yes. having performed is a reward in itself. True. I think <laughs> I think we could go on and on and on, um, but I'm mindful of time, and I therefore I just want to ask a couple of rapid fire questions. So I hope you don't mind, and I hope you Not indulge me because we didn't plan for this, but I'm I'm just going to go with this. Um, and obviously, sure. as being a great embracer of Vedanta and teacher, I'm sure you are ready for anything. <laughs> um, what's one? or one key thing you feel you've learned from sharing the stage and speaking in front of, you know, you've spoken to thousands of people across the world over the many years. What's one realization that comes to mind? Uh, you benefit the most. When you speak, your thinking gets clearer mm. and your focus is more on the knowledge. So you learn. And if you have that attitude of wanting to learn, uh, you benefit the most. Incredible. Okay. Secondly, if there was a massive flood and you were stranded on an island with no other human beings and no real facilities, what would be the two, what would be the one book and the one item that you would want to have with you? The Bhagavad Gita. Wow. The Bhagavad Gita. And why? Because it's a comprehensive um, a manual on life, on um, the aspirations of the human beings and how they can be met with. As you said, like the elevator, going back to the analogy of the elevator. Come, yeah. It uh, addresses people where they are, where they want to get to. And uh, you can use this knowledge to, to uh, achieve whatever it is that you want. Incredible. You want perfection? Me, you yes, want perfection. Sorry. You can get it. I remember you once saying in one of your talks, and I attended it here in London, use the mind to lose the mind or use the mind to free yourself from, from yes. the clutches of the mind. And I love that analogy that, you know, we, we rely so much on external sources, but actually uh, if we acquire the right kind of wisdom from the right kind of sources and then introspect and use our own intellect, and I guess Vedanta is a tool to sharpen our intellect, then we naturally we Absolutely. can start to elevate and transcend our own lower self and yes. therefore liberate ourselves. We don't have to rely on the big institutions or the big academies for this. JOG, it's been a pleasure to have you once again. Thank you. Thank you I'm so looking much, forward JRG. to it too. Yeah. All the best. Namaste. Namaste. 
Hey folks, thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And as with all our episodes, found something to inform, inspire and empower you in your personal and spiritual journeys in life. As always, feel free to leave a little love through your ratings and comments. Subscribe and share it with those you care about. And take your personal and spiritual evolution to the next level by joining us on one of our unique events, workshops, or retreats, or taking advantage of our personal and professional coaching packages. Find out more about us at mantratherapy.co.uk. I'm your host, Prash K. This is Urban Spirituality, and we will catch you on the next episode.